Well, welcome, welcome. Talking about Butler. This is something you may not know about me, but I grew up on 107th and Silver Spring. I went to grade school at Parkview School. And I used to walk to Butler to play baseball. I was on the raindrops, okay? <clears throat> I walked all the way to Butler. In those days, it was just a gravel street. In fact, I didn't even live in Milwaukee. It was called Granville in those days. How many of you remember that? Everybody over 60 remembers that? Okay. Well, and then I used to play basketball for St. Agnes, the Catholic church there, okay? And, you know, there's this Jewish guy with all these Catholics, and, and I refused to have the priest pray over me. So, so, when the, so when the priest would come to give a blessing, I'd always run to the bathroom. So the guys would say, here comes the priest, Frank. i run to the bathroom. Okay, go tell Frank he can come out now. You know, it's one of those things. So that's what I did. Butler. Butler, I remember Butler. They used to have a, they used to have a, a drugstore with a, it had a counter that you could buy food at. Some of you remember those days? They had those things, and I used to get a milkshake. I loved them. They were very good there, but it's, I don't even know if it's there anymore. So, yeah, Butler is uh, actually part of our community. And it has a history with me. <clears throat> I've got a lot to say today, so I'm going to speak very quick. But I, I want to talk to you about something. Uh, do we have any jewelers in the church here? Do we have any, any, anybody know a lot about watches? Any, any men know something about watches? Any of you guys know about watches? Come on, any, any, come on, I need hands. You don't, no, you, 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 know, you know a good watch when you see one. Any of you guys, raise your hand. Michael, you're one of them, okay? Come on, I want to talk to you. Okay, come over here. Who else knows about watches? Who knows those? You know about watches? You know about watches? Okay, come on, I want to talk to you. Come on, come over here. Come here, come here, come here, please. Come here, okay? I want to come over here. I want to talk to you. We're going to talk here. <clears throat> Anybody else want to get on the act? I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you famous, okay? Okay, now, I have a watch here. This is a watch. Um, what the, I want you to confirm this now. I'm not putting them, putting you up this. What does it say on there? It says free ATM water resistant cords. Up there, the name of the watch. <laughs> the question is. Yeah, the Rolex, que- it says. What does it say? It says Rolex. What does it say? It says Rolex. It says a Rolex. Okay. Now, what if I told you and you feel it? I want you to feel it. I'm going to give you some history. Okay. Okay, it says Rolex, okay? Now, my question is, do you think this is an authentic Rolex watch? A little history, a little history is I bought this in Mexico. I paid $12 for this. It doesn't work anymore. But it says Rolex. Is is this authentic? Tell me why you don't think it's authentic, Michael. It's too light. It doesn't turn. It doesn't feel like a Rolex. No, no. Uh, what do you think? I would say no because it has a little plastic on the back that says uh, Dial China. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so all these signs. So, so if I were to say this is an authentic Rolex, would you give me more than a nickel? No. It doesn't. It doesn't even work. 
Yeah, yeah. And it, so this is, I claim this is authentic. What would you say if I claimed it was authentic? What would you think? Um, I, I would say it's not. Would you think I may be deceiving myself? Huh? Yeah. Okay, thanks. You, you did a good job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> this is not an authentic Rolex. Let me tell you what I did What I did to a guy. I went to breakfast once with a guy with a real Rolex watch. And when this was brand new, I took it off my wrist. This was many years ago. I took it off my wrist, and I showed it to the, to the waitress. I said, tell me, which one you think costs more money? Now, mine cost me $12, okay? And it was working in those days. And so... <laughs> And so he gives, he's got his Rolex, which probably is about four grand, and my Rolex, $12. Okay? I said, which one do you think is, costs more? And he points to my. <laughs> she, po- she pointed to my watch, and I said, how does it feel? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it didn't feel too good. Didn't know that my, thought my was more expensive. So I'm, I'm buzzing here a little bit. You can fix me. Um, Authentic. Authentic. Um, I want to speak on being a, an authentic discipleship. Now, before I, before I even pray, I want, to, I want us to review something. Do you remember I talked about the four steps in climbing out of your box of excuses? How many remember? Okay, some of you don't remember, but this is something you really need to remember. Um, the four the four. Steps to climbing out of your box of excuses. The first step is one. What? See it. Okay? You have to see the problem. God will show you something. Okay? Okay. Now, what's, what's the second step? Yes, yes. See, God shows us things in our own lives, but if we don't own it, we blow it off. Okay? We have to own it. We have to put skin in the game. We've got to really make it what we see ours to do something with. So we own it. The third one is what? Right. There's always problems. Always problems. Okay, and God will show you how to solve your problem. Either he'll he'll eliminate it, he'll take you over, under, around, or through. Sometimes it takes time to solve the problem. And the last step is to do it. So we see it, we own it, we solve it, and we do it. Okay? Now these are the four steps in climbing out of your box of excuses. Now that you know that, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for this, this good time when we're able to come together and I'm able to share that which you've, you've given me to, um, to deliver. God, I pray that um, I do it successfully and I don't cause um, confusion. Thank you for your presence here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Marty Spilkes, Marty Spilkes tells me the story. About, about how he went to a nightclub and, he, and, and, he, and there's a guy at the front door that turned him away says, you can't come in here, Mr. Spilches, because you have to wear a tie. This is a tie-only place. So, so Marty Spilches, you know, there's Marvin and Marty. This happened, this happened to Marty Spilches, the two brothers. And so, so Marty Spilches goes to his car. He looks for a tie, a bow tie, a regular tie. He can't find a tie. He opens the trunk. He can't find a tie, but he sees jumper cables. He says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. So he takes the jumper cables, he puts them on his neck, he ties them, and he, and he takes his jumper cables, and he walks in the place, and the guy looks at him, 
at the front door. He looks at him. He says, okay, but don't start nothing. <laughs> That's a good one. That was a good one. Chuck, that was a good one. You know that was a, You're going to take that to work with you. Okay? And, but, see, I'm hoping that I start something here. I'm hoping that I start something. I hope that I start you to think about being more authentic in being a disciple. Now, the definition of a disciple that I'm going to use for this message is someone who believes and helps to spread the teachings of another. Okay? So a disciple, someone who believes and helps to spread the teachings of another. That's my definition of a disciple for this sermon. Now, by definition, the action of being a disciple of Christ or discipleship results in evangelism and Christ-likeness. It cannot help but to do that. Now, you know, I usually don't use the word discipleship too much. Okay, You don't hear me talk about discipleship a lot. And somebody asked me this question, maybe it was a month ago, but it seems like just last week. Oh, by the way, before I talk about this, have, did you see the basketball game last night, Wisconsin playing? You know, what's with me? i got to tell you, Jim and Joe came over to my house, and we had pizza, and we are watching the game. And I'm used to seeing Wisconsin with a white uniform on, okay? But they had the red uniform on, and I kept on rooting for the guys with the white uniform. <laughs> And Joe looks at me and he says, Dad, you're in for the wrong team. <laughs> I think that happened about three times. You know, I don't know. We're creatures of habit. Okay, so let's get back on the subject. Let's not get back on the subject. You know, I don't use discipleship, the word discipleship, too much because of the way that I was brought up in the Lord. <clears throat> A lot of most churches, they say you become born again, step number one. Step number two is discipleship, okay, discipleship. And so <clears throat> I remember years and years and years ago, I asked my, my spiritual leader, his name is Dick Benjamin, I asked him, I said, why don't we use the word discipleship so much? And he explained to me why. He said, the way I see it, Frank, and this is the way I, I learned to see it also, is you become born again, and then you automatically move into discipleship. You automatically start growing up to become more like, like Jesus. So he explained that some people see it as a two-step process where, where he teaches the same principles, but it's a one-step process. And I started thinking about that. And, you know, I can go with both definitions. I can go with both ways of seeing it. It doesn't make a difference to me. But it, I, like, I don't use it very much because I believe God expects us when we're born again to start growing up. If, if, you, have a little ba- if you have a baby and it's seven pounds, three ounces um, upon delivery, and a year later, it's seven pounds, four ounces. How many of you think something's wrong? There's something, it's, nothing, it's, not, it's not natural. It, 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 it has to grow. It's not natural. So we see it, I see it as more of a, of a one-step process because you are to grow in it, and you can argue with me either way, and I really don't care. I'm just ex- how you thinking? I'm just explaining why I don't use that terminology, discipleship, a whole lot. But I'm using it for this message. <clears throat> you know what we call the great. Now I'm turning the boat just a little bit. What we call the Great Commission, the Great Commission. I know you're familiar with 
the Great Commission. It's found in all four Gospels in one form or another. Did you know that? It is found in all four Gospels. In Matthew 28, 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. But Jesus had all authority in heaven and on earth. And that answers your question. Um, Somebody asked me a question on uh, on forgiveness and we see that forgiveness is forgiveness is um there's always blood but yet Jesus forgave sins and his blood had not yet been spilled how could that be that's because he has all power he's the only one that has all this power on heaven and on earth and if he says you're forgiven you're forgiven that's just the way it is so that's the great commission in Matthew 28 then we have Mark 16:15 And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. In Luke 24, 46, he told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name uh, to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Okay, so there is the great commission found there. And then in the book of John... John 20, verse 21, again Jesus said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So the Great Commission is found there. It's even given, we see, before they actually became born again, as we know, because when Jesus breathed on them, uh, that's when they became born again. They had a a spirit that is uh, alive to God and, and dead to Satan. And so that's when they really received the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to think about this. We don't often think about this, but I want you to think about this now. God has made an investment in your life. And that investment is to become an authentic disciple of Christ who is involved in spreading the teachings of Jesus, which will result in making new disciples. Did you get that? God has made a huge investment in your life because he believes in you. And that investment is to become an authentic disciple of Christ. Authentic. Who is involved in spreading the teachings of Jesus, which will result in in making new disciples. God has made an investment in you. Now this means we all the same major assignment. Frank, what's my calling? Well, we all the same calling, in a way, to be an authentic disciple. We all have that calling, which will result in spreading the teachings of Jesus. And when we delete the main assignment of God in our lives, we become much like those religionists in the time of Christ. True or false? I can be an authentic disciple of Christ and never act on the will of God. Shall we say true? How we say false? Right, it's false. True or false? I can become, I can be an authentic disciple of Christ 
and know nothing about the Bible. How many say true? How many say false? Well, I would generally say you're correct. It's false. I remember when I was taking a class at Trinity College in Deerfield, somebody asked, the instructor asked the question, it's just a little piece of the Bible. If you're on an island all by yourself, you know nothing about God, and a little piece of the Bible drifted somehow on, a, on your island that just talked about receiving Jesus to receive eternal life, could you be saved? Yes. Yes, you really could be saved. So, so you really, um, and he could be an authentic as he, as he knew to believe because that's all he knew was just how to get saved. So it is, it is a false, but there is a little bit of truth to that. Okay? Number three, I can be an authentic disciple of Christ while thinking and acting like those outside the kingdom of God. That's definitely false. Right. Right. And the problem is, to, not, not you folks, but for people from other churches, what they do is, when they, after, after Sunday, after they come from service, they start act, thinking and acting just like people outside the kingdom of God. And the fact of the matter is, we're different. Did you know? In all the world, there are approximately 82,000 sal- 82, salvations per day in the world. Think about that. Did you know there are over 160,000 martyrs per year, and half of them are missionaries? Did you know half the missionaries today are baptized with the Holy Spirit? Did you know about 29% of the world is still unevangelized, and it's believed that about 6,900 people groups, or ethnos, have not yet been reached with the gospel. Did you know in 1947 there were few disciples of Christ in China? Today there are about 75 million evangelicals, and they are all heavily involved, they're mostly involved in missions. Did you know Latin American countries are growing and sending missionaries three times faster than their population growth? Did you know believers in countries like India and the Philippines, they work in Muslim countries like Saudi Arabia, and they bring the gospel message with them? You know, uh, sometimes when we go in, uh, to go in these, these Arab countries... Um, it's very difficult if you have white skin and blue eyes. But when you're more like an Indian from India or a Filipino, you're more accepted. Did you know in America, the Pentecostal denominations are becoming less Pentecostal and they're seeing their growth slowing down? But those outside of America that, are, that continue to be Pentecostal, in other words, operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and being, being baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and the gifts of the Spirit, etc., 
they are continuing to grow. Here's a fact. You can take this to the bank. A disciple must work where God is working and must work God's way. Hear what I'm saying? You can't tell God what he's supposed to do. It doesn't work that way. You know, he's not your butler. He doesn't work for you. You can't say, this is what, you know, we have to pray about God. Where have you prepared people? Where have you prepared? And then we go join him. That's why we must pray before we go. Now, I know there was prayer given in, in regard to the butler area, okay? And we believe that God is preparing people in the butler area to receive the gospel. Think about this. <clears throat> Everyone within the kingdom of God has the exact same spiritual DNA. The DNA of the Holy Spirit. And our spiritual DNA must follow God's design to be a disciple in good standing with God. The Spirit of God that is within the believer is amazing. And that makes those within the kingdom of God amazing. You are amazing. Say that with me. I am amazing. I am amazing. Say that. You know, don't say Frank is amazing. Just say, I am amazing. I'm going to tell you why you're amazing. <clears throat> you're amazing because of the fruit of the Spirit. You're amazing because of the gifts of the Spirit. You're amazing because of the leading of the Spirit. Only those within the kingdom of God have, have got that ability because of our DNA. <clears throat> And that's amazing. So because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, you are amazing. Now I'm going to turn the boat just a little bit. I'm sure you're not going to fall off, but it's a little turn. In John 1 verse 4, In him was the light, in him, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. That's John the Baptist, by the way. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. And then in John eight twelve. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world, Jesus says. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a lamp, uh, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its lampstand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your, your Father in heaven. Now, we don't do things so people will brag about this, but we're not ashamed of doing the work of God. So people see us doing the work of God, being involved in this, being involved in that, you know. So you're involved in Sunday school, you're involved in um, the, the, the uh, pogs, 
um, our Wednesday our Wednesday youth group. Uh, you can tell people unsaved. You have nothing to be ashamed about. By the way, by the way, we have we have a need, okay? And actually, this need is your opportunity, because what what we need or your opportunity is for people to work with Sandy Deering. Now, some of you have already been involved in ministry with the children, and you say, "Ah, I've done my time." Authentic. Authentic disciples don't think that way. So it, is, it, is, it, is it, we, we give to the glory of God. And so I want you to consider talking to Sandy or talking to Phil so he can place you there. Nothing to be ashamed about. You know, you're working in children's ministries. You know, my, my wife and I, back when we were in Alaska, we actually worked the nursery. Okay, can you imagine me? I'm 30, I was about 31, maybe 30, 31. You know, working with little kids. And we did it for quite a while. And I didn't mind it. And I was in the military, and I talked to the guys, and, and I would say, yeah, you know, my wife and I, we have, we have a ministry in church. Said, well, what do you do? Now we work in the nursery with the little children. What? Yeah. You know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of, of Christ, and I'm not ashamed of the different ministries that are involved in the kingdom of God. They're all needed. An authentic disciple of Jesus is one who has been given the light of life and then Jesus sent those with the light of life into darkness to be an authentic disciple to make a difference. Authentic disciples make a difference. So the question is, what should an authentic disciple of Christ look like? Well, a disciple looks like one who is in the process of being transformed to be more like Jesus in the way that they think and act. Because we know how you think is how you, is how you do. And this happens only through, the authentic, through an authentic relationship with the Holy Spirit. God wants us to think differently. So the Holy Spirit is always showing us how to think differently. And we have to submit to that. An authentic disciple looks like one who is involved in the purpose of God. So you have to ask your question, am I involved in the purpose of God in one form or another? Because of the light of life that is within the disciple, the authentic disciple should both see people differently and act differently than those walking in darkness or those walking outside the kingdom of God. We need to see people differently and treat them differently. How in the world can an authentic disciple of Christ be a racist? They can't. They shouldn't be. Because of how God sees people. God so loved the world. That means every color of skin. How can you be a racist and be an authentic disciple of Christ. 
How can an authentic disciple of Christ believe in abortion? I don't understand that. But we see so many people in churches that are for this. How can, I don't see how that can be an authentic, you know, life is precious. And we each have to read certain scriptures that God has plans and purposes for the baby while still in the womb. How can an authentic disciple of Christ not care about the salvation of his or her community? We have to care. And by going out today to help invite, uh, invite people to hear the message, it shows caring. How can you not care about the salvation of people in our community? You say, who's our community? Look at the board up there on the right. That'll tell you who our community is. How can an authentic disciple of Christ not have faith in the power of God? I don't understand that. How can you not? An authentic authentic disciple has faith in the power of God. And that drives them to prayer. You say, every prayer get answered? No! They didn't get answered. I think about the, I think about, you say, well, shouldn't they get answered? I'd like to say yes, but the history of, 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 of the church is that, no, they don't. All these disciples who died, you think, you think they all said, oh, hallelujah, I'm going to die a terrible death right now. No, they probably all prayed for deliverance, but didn't happen. And then in the faith chapter, the Bible talks about others, who did not who had faith yet did not receive because God had something better for them and so they died terrible deaths how can an authentic disciple of Christ not have a concern for what is going on in Israel when we know that Jerusalem is the is the capital of the kingdom of God and when Jesus returns he will rule from there that's one of the reasons why we pray for the peace of Jerusalem yet it's amazing how many churches could care less an authentic disciple cares how can an authentic disciple of Christ if they are able, not be involved in some sort of ministry when they know they have gifts and abilities that are to be used for the benefit of others. It's a fact that God gives every believer in the kingdom of God gifts, and they have abilities. But these are not only for you, they're for us. And so many people, not you in other churches, they hoard. They keep for themselves. And the rest go without. Should that be? No. No, not in authentic disciples. How can an authentic disciple of Christ not support the kingdom of God in their tithes and offerings when they know it's the economy of the kingdom and it's the will of God? Ryan did a good job in explaining a facet Just a facet of tithing. But the bottom line is God says to do it. I love you, Jesus, but I do what I want to do because I have my reasons. 
But Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Matthew 23, 23 talks about how we're, we're to continue to tithe, but other things are important also, like loving your brother, mercy, things like that. How can an authentic disciple of Christ not have special concerns for those within the kingdom of God? I don't know. I don't know. Especially within the, a local f- family, like the family of, of grace here. How can we not care about one another? Have love for one another? Special concern for one another? Now, I know there's a lot of good things that are going on, and, and I know I've been a, a conduit for many gifts. Someone will give me a, a, you know, a few shekels and say, you know, so and such is out of work. Um, I'd like them to have it, but don't tell them where it comes from. Okay, I won't tell them any, anything. So I just say, this is from somebody who loves you. I'm not going to tell you from who. Take it. Okay, and they take it. They have no idea who it's from. I love when stuff like this goes on. When you help each other, when you see when one of you is maybe not coming to, to church for a few weeks, and you will call, you say, well, the elders should call. No, yeah, but you should call too because we're part of a family. This is a family church. We should have care one for another. They'll know they're disciples by, because of the love they have one for another. And when you have love, you have concern. And so you don't see someone coming around for a few weeks. So you give them a call. See how things are going. Maybe you can help them. Authentic discipleship. How can an authentic disciple of Christ not be growing to be more like Jesus in how they think and how they do? I, have, I, I can't understand that. An authentic disciple is growing, constantly growing to think more like Jesus. That comes with being in the Word. That comes by hearing the Word. That comes by exercising your faith. And we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God in one form or another. In 1 Peter 2, verse 21, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. The bottom line is this. To be an authentic disciple of Christ, you must have faith and try to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, knowing that God isn't only with you, he's in you. regrets. I want to talk a little bit about regrets and then I'll finish. Regrets. You know, I remember my mom, all I can speak is my mom and my dad. They got saved later in life. They became born again, baptized with the Holy Spirit. But they didn't really receive Christ in their life until their later years. And both of them used to constantly say, 
oh, I wish we'd have known this years ago. And I wanted to say, I told you years ago, but you never, you never listened to me. But they had regrets. They had regrets. My dad regretted that he couldn't be involved in more ministry. He was just too old. Remember Mark he used to come to our elders' meetings and take the notes? You remember that? And uh, he was so glad that he could do something. He took it so seriously, you know. My mother, when she got saved, she wanted to find out how she could be an elder right away so she could tell me what to do. I said, no, that doesn't quite work that way. Regrets. You know, I'm that age right now where I'm looking back on my ministry and I have some regrets. I regret that I didn't know 30 years ago what I know today. I tell you, if I could start over again, we would do some things differently. I have some regrets. But in most areas, I don't have regrets. Why is that? I give it a rip. Am I always successful? No. But I gave it a rip. I gave it a rip. When you give it a rip, you don't have a a lot of regrets because you tried. If God's in it, hallelujah. If he's not in it, well, you you tried. God wasn't in it. It wasn't successful, but you tried. You give it a rip, and you see. I can't help but think about Helen. Helen, when did you start ministering to the children? How many years ago was that? 25 years. I can still remember our conversation. Raise your hand, Helen. This is Helen. She is. I, I talk about her in many different churches. Okay, I remember um, uh, Helen was the first black in our church. Really, remember you, the only black person. And, and um, uh, she came up to me one day and she said, "Now I remember our conversation. I'm from Mississippi, and I don't talk like the rest of you do. And I love the children." you think they would receive from me? And I remember telling you, give it a rip. That was 25 years ago. She's still doing it. How many of you sat under the teachings of Helen? Would you raise your hand, please? Helen, would you look around? They're all sitting on this side, by the way. They're not sitting near you. Isn't that something? I think that's just wonderful. You give it a rip with no regrets. Listen, you will never, you will never regret pressing in to be an authentic disciple. You'll never regret it. There's a song used to sing way back. <clears throat> uh, don't join me because I, may, I, may, I may mess up on some of the words but it goes little by little every day little by little in every way my Jesus is changing me since I made a turnabout face now I'm growing in his grace my Jesus is changing me I'm not the same person that I used to be Uh, Something like that. Sometimes it's slow growing, 
But there's a knowing that one day perfect I will be. It, it's very slow. Very slow. It's like two steps forward and one step backward, but you're always becoming more like Jesus. And, and you get older and older, and you look back, and you say, well, i come a long ways, baby. And you have. You have. And you're, it's, it's authentic discipleship. The thought of being authentic, being real, and pressing into the things of God that, that brings you forward and the motivation of the Holy Spirit as you're in prayer. He'll encourage you. Would you all stand with me, please? I was going to ask the question, if you know you need to climb out of your box of excuses to become more like an authentic disciple, I want to pray for you. That's what I was going to ask you. But I thought, that's a stupid question, because we all have excuses why we're not more of an authentic disciple. We have an excuse, every one of us. But you know how to climb out of your box of excuses. You know how. And so God expects you to do this. I want to pray for you. And pray for me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives. We thank you that We've heard the gospel. We thank you that we've received the truth of the message of the cross and we got saved and we became part of your kingdom. And God, we understand that we are to be authentic disciples. And in some areas of our lives, Lord, you know and we know where we're not authentic God, help us to be authentic disciples that you could be proud of. So when we see you face to face, we'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. God, help us to grow, to be more like Jesus. Change our thinking in certain areas. So we'll do different in those areas. God, help us to live a life with no regrets. And thank you for your presence and the power that you've, you've given us through the Holy Spirit to do your will. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Please receive this ironic prayer. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace in your heart as you're moving to be an authentic disciple in the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you a lot. If you have a special prayer need, we'll be glad to pray for you. Otherwise, listen, we got some great coffee, and carbohydrates in the cafe. Amen.